0: Hello, and welcome to Till Death Do Us Part. I'm Daniel. And I'm Melissa. In celebration of our 15th episode, we are doing a hometown.
1: Yep, we are.
0: We are doing a hometown about Bakersfield, California, where we live.
1: Isn't that awesome?
0: It is. (laughs) It is not our hometown, per se. We were, what were we, forced to move here?
1: (laughs) Although I have lived here longer than I think anywhere else, almost. I think so. So does that make it our hometown or my hometown?
0: Makes it your hometown. Huh. Or our kids' hometown.
1: Definitely the kids.
0: I was born and raised in Southern California, so that's my hometown. Not really. Oh, okay. <laughs> we do love us some Bakersfield. I don't know.
1: I think we're fans of living in Bakersfield. It gets a bad rap, but we like it. We so do. It's kind of a dust bowl.
0: A little bit. Yeah. But the people are great here. Weather's nice most of the time. I do tease that we live on the surface of the sun, but like most people remind me, Phoenix is worse.
1: It is worse. I've lived in Phoenix. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Hotter during the day and hotter during the night. So there's always that.
0: Let's shout out to one of our 11 listeners. All right. Let's shout out to a local business who I happen to be friends with the owner. And she posted something about us on Instagram, which I was very thankful about. And this is to Holly, who owns the Tasty Lunchbox.
1: Oh, nice.
0: Yes. The Tasty Lunchbox is a... Gosh, how do you explain the tasty lunchbox? So she has an Instagram account and then she helps people learn how to cook, especially me. Oh, cool. Or tells me what I need to buy from Amazon to help me in the kitchen, which is very, (laughs) which is very handy. It's
1: good. It's good for Amazon.
0: (laughs) And she also does food delivery. Nice. She does a week's menu with salads and like all this yummy stuff. Everybody loves it. Everybody loves her. So go check her out. And thank you, Holly, for your shout out. That was really, really sweet of you. She
1: does all the hard part and then you get to enjoy it. She does. And she, works her, she
0: works her butt off.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yes. And she makes it mandatory that her drivers listen to our podcast.
1: Oh, sweet.
0: I really, really appreciate that.
1: That's awesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep. I did warn Daniel that we were going to do a hometown case, a Bakersfield case. So I asked him to kind of do his factoids based on that. So take it away, Daniel.
1: All right. I got sort of a factoid. When she said Bakersfield, I said, "Okay, well, as I said, we do kind of live in a dust bowl. But when I started reading about the actual dust bowl, which was absolutely fascinating to me, Which, of course, started out in the Great Plains in the 30s. They were talking about how the families, before they got here, they were literally buried in dust and dirt every night. Like the houses had dust blown all the way up to the doors to where they couldn't open the doors.
0: Wow. Is this... Wait, wait, wait. Is this what Grapes of Wrath is based on? Yeah. Prior to that. And
1: then that's how it started out.
0: Okay. I remember reading... Being made to read that in high school.
1: Yeah, it's pretty much the most depressing thing you'll ever see or read. Yeah, um, If you watch the movie. They had to dig themselves out. So they'd crawl out their windows, some of these houses, and dig the piles of dirt and dust away from their doors so they could come outside.
0: Oh, I can't even imagine. That's like
1: worse than snow. This was the f- most fascinating thing I read, though, is the, the poor farm women, they would obviously make their own bread and stuff back in the day. They'd have to knead the bread in a drawer of a dresser opened just enough to get, like, their hands into the drawer. What? To keep the dust out.
0: Wow. wow. So they're sitting
1: there, yeah, and, or they would cut holes in, like, a sheet and place the sheet over the bread so that they would get less dust mixed in with the bread.
0: So you weren't eating dust bread?
1: Yeah, it said uh, it was rare for completely dust-free food.
0: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, nope. and then
1: the, the walls of the houses, because they were, you know, they are poor farmers so there was cracks in the walls and so dust was constantly blowing through the house. And so they would use newspaper because it was super cheap and plentiful to fill in the cracks of the walls of their house and then all kinds of different things. So they used a lot of newspapers. They would go to sleep with wet rags over their faces just so they could sleep without breathing in all the dust.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. So it's kind of like now with the masks, you know, except for not. <laughs> um, I don't know what we would do. I mean, we talk about oh, we have it so hard now. I'm like, no, we don't. No. No.
0: We don't. Not We're just sissing on us.
1: If our air conditioning stops working, the world's come to an end.
0: Then we move.
1: Yeah, and they're worried about trying to keep dust out of their bread that they're needing just so they can eat.
0: We are um, spoiled brats people. So that's
1: that was kind of what led up to obviously all these this migration of people leaving. The, um, the Great Plains states and stuff coming here and other places. I guess they said two and a half million people left the Plains in, in the 30s.
0: The Plains are Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, Oklahoma, Kansas, uh, all those upper states, mid Midwest.
0: Okay. I'm just picturing it in my head. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, many that arrived here, especially in the Central Valley, they lived in tents. And then they called them like shanty towns along irrigation ditches. And then those people were referred to as Okies, which was semi-derogatory. Yeah. Like you were really looked down on if you're an Okie. So it was kind of a slang for these like poor immigrant people from the Midwest that arrived here and they had nowhere else to go. So they just kind of went wherever there was some sort of water.
0: Don't we still use that term? Okies? Sure. Yeah. I hear that a lot. Yeah.
1: And that was because they're from Oklahoma, a lot of them. So they call them Okies, which was like, oh, it's, it's a bunch of those Okies.
0: Yeah. And there, well, there's a certain part of town where people are referred to as Okies, right? Yeah. And they still have kind of an accent that's been passed down from generation to generation.
1: I've, I've run into people here. I ran into a guy just a few years ago and he was almost a hundred. Wow. And, um, he was, yeah, they, they, his family arrived here and he was there in the caravan of cars and their whatever coming across been here ever since and he's full on like sounds like he's from that area it's fascinating it's wild so it's interesting because so many people came here are still here at least their families from that area
0: in like kern county yep and and san joaquin valley yeah Yeah. were you gonna say that yeah sorry i interrupted you
1: yeah the central valley because that's where all the farm work was which predominantly was mostly migrant um mexican laborers back then so when they got here they actually displaced the Mexican laborers because there were more people than jobs to oh. do to do the like picking fields and fruit and all that stuff. So
0: just keep displacing people all over the place.
1: That's huh? it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it was, I don't know, just the thought of you having to sit in the house,
0: needing n- bread,
1: making bread in a drawer with dust blowing all around inside the house.
0: That does not sound like something I would do. <laughs> no,
1: I don't know. How do people? Well, see, we're married, so it always goes this direction. But how do you how do you start doing the hanky panky? Oh, the adult aerobics. Well, why would you want to? I don't know.
0: Why would you have that like dust flying all over the place? All this dust is making me horny. Look at that.
1: I like the way the dust settled on your cheeks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which cheek?
1: Oh, I was face, but (laughs) sure. Oh my gosh.
0: Oh wow. It sounds horrible. Anyway, so so there's that. Sometimes I feel like we're in a dust bowl when the wind kicks up, Bakersfield dust starts going. That's true. Because we are very much oil and ag here, so there is a lot of dust. Oh, yeah. But, you know,
1: whatever. Could be worse. We could have fires. Oh,
0: my gosh. See. Northern California is on fire.
1: I hope your story isn't so depressing.
0: Oh, it's even worse. Oh, good. Thank you for your factoid, babe. You're welcome. Another good one. Sure. Are you ready for my case?
1: I am as ready as I'm going to get.
0: Baco, are you ready for my case? I'm actually a little bit nervous because... It's someone you know. It's not someone I know, but it is someone that a couple people I know know.
1: Oh, okay. Well, that's still really weird.
0: So I'm nervous because I want to do this justice. And I spent, oh my gosh, a good week just trying to learn this case backwards and forwards and upside down and inside out. And here we go. All right. (laughs) You ready?
1: Yep, lay it on me.
0: Okay. This is the case of Todd and Leslie Janae Chance. All right. On Sunday, August 25th, 2013, around 9 a.m., a farm worker found a male body on a dusty dirt road in an almond orchard west of Bakersfield, California, located in Kern County. Upon inspection, investigators noticed there was a bullet hole through his right hand and that he had been shot twice in the chest. A closer look at the scene showed investigators that the body had more than likely been dumped at the location and not shot on the dirt road. There weren't any bullet casings located near the body, nor was there any blood splatter. There weren't any signs of a struggle, and his shoes were clean of Bakersfield dust. A cell phone was found 20 feet away and a pair of sunglasses resting near the body. A wallet was in the pocket of his shorts. Finding his driver's license, they had a name. 45-year-old Todd Chance, a beloved husband, father, and son, and a born and bred Baco good old boy. Fun fact, more almonds are grown in Kern County than all over the world. Really? Yeah. Did not know that.
1: I know we got a lot of pistachios. We do. Yeah. It's one of the main sources of pistachios, which are expensive.
0: Oh, they are. But I like them. Todd Eric Chance was born on March 10th, 1968 in Bakersfield, California to Travis and Diana Chance. Todd was the oldest of two boys. Todd and his brother were raised in Shafter. He loved being outdoors. Todd rode horses, ATVs, and enjoyed shooting guns. Todd and his brother raised pigs for the local FFA. Todd was also a car and motorcycle guy, especially Mustangs. Nice. That's your car, huh, babe?
1: My first car. <laughs> yeah. 66 Mustang.
0: When Todd was old enough to drive legally, his dad gifted him a 1976 Cobra II. Ooh. Is that good? Not a 1976 Cobra.
1: Not a 1976 Cobra? No, but that's okay.
0: Oh, he was very proud of this car.
1: Okay. Well, yeah, it was his first car.
0: Okay. That car seemed to make Todd a bit of a ladies' man. He was attractive, fit, and a total cowboy. Todd played the part well, wearing the tight jeans, cowboy boots, and a Stetson. In 1995, Todd met single mom Leslie Janae working at a local pharmacy. Now, Leslie went by Janae. For the rest of the episode, I'm going to refer to her as Janae. Okay. okay, fair enough. Janae was a cashier and Todd worked in loss prevention. Janae was immediately attracted to Todd's gentleman cowboy ways, but was apprehensive about pursuing a relationship since she was just coming off a divorce. Janae's first husband had left her for another woman while she was pregnant with her oldest daughter. Ouch. Todd was smitten. And eventually won Janae over. They were married in 1996. By all accounts, Todd and Janae had a great marriage and he loved being a dad to Janae's four-year-old daughter. Janae eventually received her teaching credential and worked her way up to administration. And in 2009, became principal of Fairview Elementary in the Greenfield Union School District. Janae was loved by students and faculty. Cool. Todd took on the role of family caregiver for Janae and their three daughters. His job as a local truck driver allowed him to be home in the evenings, be at every after school and weekend event, and be there when any of the girls needed to stay home from school. Todd loved being a dad to his three girls. August 25th started like any other Sunday morning. School had been in for a week, and Janae had gotten up early to work on her school safety plan for the year. Janae heard Todd get up, and he told her he was going to the gun show at the Kern County Fairgrounds with his dad, Travis. (laughs) I always think of Dwight from The Office. Do you have tickets to the gun show? Yeah. This was
1: an actual gun show, though. This was a real gun show that we
0: have every year here. Oh, yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. Most fairgrounds do.
0: Between 7.30 and 8 a.m., Todd walked out the garage door and sped off in his 2011 souped-up black Mustang. Janae continued working and folding laundry while she watched television. One of her daughters came down the stairs and saw her mom around 9.30 a.m., but decided to go back to bed without acknowledging Janae. A grocery delivery was expected between 10 and 12, and her oldest daughter was coming over to collect some furniture. The youngest daughters, who were 13 and 14 at the time, had come downstairs around 10 a.m., eventually helping Janae put away groceries. Their oldest daughter arrived at the house around 11 a.m., a few minutes before investigators arrived to tell them the horrible news. Janae's first thought was that Todd had gotten into an auto accident, but she was told he had been shot and left in an almond orchard. Todd's parents came to the house and started being questioned. Travis, Todd's dad, immediately told the investigators that he hadn't spoken to Todd that day and that they never had made plans to go to the gun show. Janae was asked if any guns were missing from the house, and she answered no. She was asked again to go check, and when she came back, she said a 38 caliber revolver and its holder were gone. A call came into investigators that Todd's car had been found. Everyone started assuming it must have been a carjacking. Oh wow. I just I can't imagine having the doorbell ring and opening it up and it being police officers. No. To tell you that something has happened to one of your loved ones. It makes the, my palms sweat just thinking about yeah, it. Yeah,
1: your whole world just comes crashing down around you at in that a, point.
0: Yeah, in a matter of seconds, yeah. your entire life has just changed. Yeah. Ugh, I can't even imagine them. For the daughters, oh my gosh. Yeah, that
1: sucks. Oh, it's
0: awful. Todd's Mustang was found on the corner of Wheatland and Tiger Flower in the southwest area of Bakersfield. Do you know exactly where that is? Um. I feel like like you're pulling up a map in your head.
1: Yeah, I know where that is.
0: Daniel drives around for work all day.
1: Yeah, I know where that is.
0: About 20 miles from the location of Todd's body, the car had been abandoned right in front of a known drug house. Neighbors had called it in because they were afraid the car was going to be broken into or stolen because it was, quote unquote, too nice for the area. The Mustang was in pristine condition with just a little bit of dust on it. As investigators took a closer look, they noticed that all the doors were unlocked. The keys were visible on the floor, and a gun handle was sticking out from under the floor mat on the driver's side. It just happened to be a 38 revolver. Investigators thought that was strange, almost as if someone wanted it to be stolen and the gun to go away. Neighbors also said around 9 a.m., a middle-aged woman got out from the driver's side of the Mustang, wearing sunglasses and a baseball cap, and carrying a backpack and plastic grocery bag. They noticed that the woman started walking south down Denon Street. The Mustang was immediately taken to the crime lab for further analysis. The car had been wiped clean except for one fingerprint found on the driver's side door, and some DNA left on the steering wheel and stick shift. That fingerprint and DNA belong to Janae. Uh Uh-oh. So can you picture where we're at right now?
1: Kind of, yeah. Okay.
0: Okay, so you know how we always say to our kids that no one can get away with anything because there are cameras everywhere? Right. Well, I'm about to prove us right once again to our children. Oh, good. So listen carefully because I'm about to paint you a picture using security camera footage.
1: All right. Cool.
0: At 9.03 a.m., two security cameras mounted on a house on Denon Street spot a figure that looks like a stout, middle-aged woman wearing sunglasses and a ball cap with her long hair tucked up, walking away from the direction of Todd's Mustang. The figure was also wearing a dark, long sleeve shirt, dark gray pants, and dark shoes in the middle of August. That's unusual. That's very, very unusual. Usually we are trying not to wear clothes. (laughs) They also carried a reddish backpack, clear plastic grocery bag, and a small crossbody purse. This figure had a very distinct walk, fast paced, long strides, and their arms swung up and away from their waist, kind of out in front of their body. They'd hit someone if they weren't careful. The suspect is walking south on Denon, and that dead ends to a major thoroughfare, Panama Lane.
1: Yeah. Okay. So this this area, I know why it sounds familiar. It's actually a, um, it's basically a mobile home park of sorts. Yes.
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And
1: it's right off the freeway. It's right off of Panama, and it's one way in, one way out. So it kind of makes a big loop, and I was there not that long ago.
0: Yeah. Okay. I knew, I knew you would know exactly where this was. Yep.
1: Or Popeye's chicken right next to the road that goes into it.
0: Ooh, Popeye's chicken. Yep. Okay, but did you hear me talk about her walk or this person's walk? Yeah. Okay, so you can kind of, kind of picture it in your head a little right. bit. okay. Yeah, it's a very distinct walk. All right. Panama Lane runs east and west for miles in both directions. Investigators checked some surveillance videos going west but did not see the figure. They started checking cameras going east over the ninety nine overpass and they found footage of the figure entering a Starbucks located in the Panama Lane shopping center, which also has a Lowe's and Walmart. Yep. You know that one, right? Uh huh. I don't think I've ever been over there, to be honest. Yeah. I live in a little bubble. Sorry. You do. I it's do. Okay. I I love my bubble. Okay. I go out
1: and I tell you what the rest of the world looks like.
0: He does. And then it makes me not want to come out of our house. <laughs> yeah, don't I'm come, just joking. Don't I'm come just... <laughs> out of your house. The suspect walks in and heads straight back to the bathroom. They emerge a few minutes later wearing black pants that seem to have been pulled over the other pair of pants and new white shoes. Plus the same sunglasses and ball cap, still carrying a reddish backpack, a purse, And a clear plastic shopping bag that you can distinctly see the yellow round lid of disinfecting wipes. Wow. Yeah. The suspect left without making a purchase. We do that all the time, don't we? I guess so. Sorry, Starbucks. We use your bathroom all the time when we're on road trips. (laughs) They're the nicest bathrooms. True. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Starbucks. We use you for your bathroom.
1: I don't go for the $8 coffee.
0: After leaving the Starbucks, the figure walks across the parking lot towards the Lowe's. They are then seen throwing items into a trash can and then ducking behind a wall of manure bags out in front of the Lowe's, while another security camera catches the subject putting the small purse inside of the backpack. At 9.22 a.m., the suspect walks towards Walmart and goes in a side door. Not the big automatic sliders, just a regular pool door. They are then seen holding a piece of paper as they make their way to a payphone. The suspect calls a yellow cab company. They then walk out of Walmart and proceed to walk out of sight of cameras, only returning a minute later, and it looks like they no longer have the disinfecting wipes canister in the plastic shopping bag, probably disposing of those in a trash can. 23 minutes after the phone call at 9.45 a.m., you see them get in a yellow cab and drive off. The taxi then drops the suspect off at Sam's Club on Gosford, which happens to be only one mile away from Todd and Janae's house. They walk away from there and a camera catches the suspect at 10.10 a.m., run across the four car lanes of Harris Road. But this time they were wearing what looked like different clothes, lighter pants and a white t-shirt. But it did look like the previous black shirt was strung over the suspect's shoulder, still wearing the sunglasses, ball cap, and the reddish backpack. Only one more camera caught the figure walking through a small parking lot just around the corner from the Chance residence. This figure immediately became the prime suspect. The taxi driver was called in for questioning, and he remembered picking up a middle aged woman but cannot pick Janae out of a photo lineup on two different occasions.
1: The taxi driver not being able to pick her out wouldn't surprise me. I I couldn't imagine that they pay that much attention. Because even though you see people, you don't really pay attention to them because it just is a job.
0: No, especially if that person is wearing a baseball cap and sunglasses.
1: I I mean, I look at people, I try not to even pay attention to them, especially at work. You know, it's like, I'm just going to do my thing and move on.
0: Yeah. The investigators also had camera footage of Todd's Mustang from a gas station security camera down the street from the Almond Orchard. You couldn't see who was in the car because the windows were up and the camera was just too far away and grainy. It shows the car driving towards the orchard at 8.04 a.m. and heading away from the crime scene at exactly 8.30 a.m. The Mustang was seen again by another gas station camera rounding the corner near where the car had been abandoned at 8.57, about the same time that Todd's body had been found. So now we're going to get into the cell phone evidence. Okay. Todd's cell phone was taken into evidence and analyzed. On it, they found X-rated photos and text messages that were not from his wife, Janae.
1: Oh, ouch. Yeah.
0: They were from a former girlfriend that Todd had been with before he met Janae. Her name was Carrie, and they had met while Todd was cruising in his 76 Mustang. See? They had dated from 1990 to 1995, and she was his first love. They had even talked about getting married. Something happened, and the relationship ended suddenly. Uh Uh-oh. Todd refused to talk about it. Todd and Carrie reconnected on social media in May of 2012. Freaking social media, man.
1: See, it breaks everything yeah. up.
0: If you are married or in a relationship, do not contact past relationships or no. people in those past relationships. You are just asking for trouble. There is a reason you broke up.
1: But if people are seeking out people from past or seeking out past relationships, there, then there's something there's wrong. something going on now so it's not really the fault of social media it just makes it easier for what is inevitable to just become
0: i just hate social media so i blame it for everything no
1: that's fair <laughs> i mean it, it is a good scapegoat well it's social media that's that's yep. what caused them to break up
0: yep social media did it again in april of 2013 todd texted carrie and asked wanna play carrie oh. responded no way married man But sent him those X-rated photos anyway. Whatever. (laughs) She's like, no way, but here's a picture of my boob. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Their relationship never turned physical because they never met in person. And their communication stopped by that summer. Carrie had been a suspect for a short amount of time. But Carrie was in San Juan Capistrano on the day of the murder, which is 157 miles from Bakersfield. She had the parking ticket to prove it. Plus, physically, she did not look like the suspect in the video. All right. There you go. Yeah. There were also a few life insurance policies taken out on Todd, totaling half a million dollars, and one taken out on Janae. But the policies had been purchased eight and ten years ago. All right. I just had to throw that in there.
1: Because everyone seems to... Everybody
0: always thinks it's about men. They
1: do the life insurance policy and then whack them. Right. Or whack her.
0: Four days after Todd's murder, Janae was asked to come down to the sheriff's station. They were releasing Todd's car. Janae asked her father-in-law, Travis, to accompany her since she couldn't drive a stick and asked him to take the car home with him. She just didn't want it. Oh, boy. Janae and Travis were led into what looked like an interrogation room. They were both very confused, and they were told they were being recorded. Before investigators entered the room, Janae started telling Travis that she thought Todd's murder was gang-related and that they were probably going to be told some 13-year-old had confessed to Todd's murder to take the heat off a real murderer in the gang. What? I guess that happens. All right. But investigators wanted them to look at all the video surveillance they had collected and see if the suspect looked familiar. An investigator told them to look at the figure's walk. And how they swung their arm. Travis said he didn't know who that was, but Janae said, That can't be me. That woman is too heavy. (laughs) With the fingerprint. (laughs) I know. I know. And she is not a small lad. Ah. Yes. I will when I post pictures on Instagram, you will see. She's she's not she's not tiny girl. All right. Yeah. So with the fingerprint and DNA on the car, the security camera footage. And the racy text found on Todd's phone from another woman, Janae was arrested for Todd's murder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Four days later, Janae was released. The DA had decided not to file charges. They realized that they did not have enough evidence to charge her and told the investigators to keep digging. The camera footage was too grainy and distorted, which made it impossible to make out... Oh, I said that word. Made it impossible to make out the suspect's face. Friends, family, and co-workers have been brought in to be questioned, and they could not for certain say that figure in the security footage was Janae Chance. Janae did not go to Todd's funeral out of respect for Todd's friends and family. What? Yeah.
1: How? Wait, now how would that be respectful?
0: I don't know. She just said that she felt like she was being disrespectful because she was being looked at as the murderer. Oh, So she thought it was disrespectful to go to his funeral. Gotcha. Yeah. Doesn't
1: that kind of make you look guilty?
0: I don't know. I think for some people, they'd be like, oh, you know, whatever. And then other people would be like, why is she here? Didn't she just get arrested for murdering her husband? Right. You know, people are.
1: Well, then you can't win either way. No,
0: she couldn't win either way. Fast forward three years. You ready? Fast forward. Fast forward.
1: All right back went back to the future yeah all right
0: (laughs) in december of 2016 janae was arrested again for the murder of her husband oh boy as janae was being arraigned it was hard for people not to notice that janae looked very different about a hundred pounds different having had lap band surgery before todd's murder so she had the surgery before he was even murdered gotcha to me she looked like she had also had some work done too Oh, that's, yeah. Yeah, she was spending that half a million dollar life insurance payout for sure.
1: Nice. Mm -hmm. So she's fixing herself up. That's good.
0: For the next husband. Oh, did I say that? What? Investigators had spent those three years gathering more evidence against Janae and poking holes in her alibi. A big piece of evidence was the photo that the Chance family had taken just a few weeks before Todd's murder that showed them in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand at an exhibit called CSI, The Experience. What? A walkthrough exhibit where they basically teach you how to get away with murder. Guess what one of the scenarios was.
1: Um, what we're talking about?
0: A woman who kills her husband and dumps his body in the desert. Oh, geez. Yeah. It showed you how the police could track your cell phone and how a shoe print can be traced and used as evidence.
1: So she went and took notes at this exhibition.
0: Yeah, because why would anybody in Bakersfield choose to go to Las Vegas in July?
1: We did. Did we? Yeah, we've been.
0: Oh, God. We're one of those
1: people. Because it's not hot enough here.
0: Yeah, it's not hot enough here. So let's go to Las Vegas. It's drier there.
1: I mean, it's dry here, but it's even drier there.
0: That's true. And there's more to do in Vegas, like a CSI exhibit.
1: But it's a dry heat. (laughs) So is my oven. I don't put my head inside that.
0: You've said that joke on the podcast before. I know.
1: And I still say it because it's (laughs) stupid. It is. But it's funny. And yet we live here, so it doesn't really work.
0: Yeah, but I'm super bummed I didn't know about that CSI exhibit. I totally would go. Oh, boy. But I didn't look to see. But you wouldn't take notes. Oh, baby, I already know how I get away with killing you, so we're good. Uh Uh-oh. I I could teach the CSI. Wow. No, I couldn't. I'm teasing. Man. Stop. You make me feel bad. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, back to the case. Yep. Investigators also found another surveillance video of Janae walking into that same Walmart on Panama three weeks before Todd's murder and asking an employee where a payphone is. You see her put her hand up to her ear in the universal sign for phone and then walk over in the direction of where the payphone is. Her family stated that Janae never shopped at Walmart, especially all the way over on Panama. Janae also had a personal and work phone. Why would she need to use a payphone? That's a good point. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you about the evidence and then I'm going to kind of tell you the rebuttal to that. Number one, a friend visiting the home of Todd and Janae's next door neighbor saw the Mustang back out of the garage and she saw a woman passenger wearing a ball cap and sunglasses on the day of the murder.
1: Oh, boy. Okay,
0: but then this is what Janae's defense team said. Janae was too big at that time and could not open the door in the garage to get in the car. Todd had to pull completely out of the garage for Janae to open the car door wide enough to get in. Damn. Yeah. All right. Number two. The figure was wearing a ball cap and sunglasses to hide their identity. Janae could not wear sunglasses because she was nearsighted and couldn't see without her prescription glasses. Janae hated contacts and never purchased prescription sunglasses. But in fact, she had purchased two boxes of contacts at her eye doctor appointment the month before the murder, and the boxes were never found. And in every interview that I watched of her, she never wore glasses. Even an interview where she was walking. She was like walking outside with the interviewer. Right. And she's just walking and talking without glasses on. Hmm. On a specific Dateline episode, Janae tells the reporter that when she was arrested the first time, all she wanted to do was see her daughter in the courtroom, but that she didn't have her contacts or glasses because they had been taken away in jail. Then the Dateline reporter asked her three years later about that specific scene and she said that she didn't like to wear her glasses in interviews or pictures because she looked better without them but that she was basically blind. Whatever. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Okay, number three. Janae couldn't drive a stick shift and had never driven Todd's Mustang before. But why is Janae's DNA found only on the steering wheel and gear shift plus the only fingerprint found was Janae's on the driver's side door handle?
1: So why would the car be clean except for that, though? Right. Because wouldn't there be his DNA all over it also? Because he drove it all the time? So it's almost like they cleaned the car and then she drove it.
0: Yeah.
1: Huh. All right.
0: Good question. All right. Four. Number four. Janae had been downstairs all morning during the murder, folding laundry, working on a school safety plan on her laptop, watching TV and waiting for her groceries to be delivered. But computer analysis found that no one had touched the laptop till after 11 a.m.
1: Oh, yeah. Starting to see cracks. Yeah.
0: Number five, Janae hated guns and never shot them. She even removed herself from a Christmas gathering when Todd received a gun as a present. But investigators found a photo of Janae shooting the exact same gun during the summer of 2013. Oh, boy. Like she was getting practice. Right. Okay. Number six. Janae's friends and family said that Janae's walk did not match the suspect's walk. Okay. This is my own opinion. But from what I saw on the surveillance videos and watching videos of Janae walking in and out of court, it's the exact same walk.
1: Couldn't she have faked the walk, you know, to try and throw off camera footage?
0: Why would you? But it's a very distinct walk. Oh, okay. so I don't think you could fake that.
1: Oh, and then okay. wouldn't
0: you purposely change your walk if that's really the one of the main? Yeah, yeah. If that's such a huge part of the evidence, I would try to change my walk.
1: That's what I mean. Like when she was actually, if she was allegedly guilty, and they got her. I mean, if you were, if you were going to try and commit a crime, wouldn't you try and alter your walk? So they'd say, ah, oh, that person doesn't even walk like you.
0: Right, but the suspect didn't know that they were being filmed.
1: Oh, okay, that's
0: that's true. Yeah, All right. So, yeah, this so interesting. Okay, number seven, in the surveillance video of the suspect on Harris, is it Harris Road? Yeah, yeah, Harris Road. The subject is running across four lanes of traffic. That to me could not have been Janae. She was a big gal and never ran nor did she ever jaywalk, according to everyone who knew her, always walking a little further to cross in a crosswalk. There's a difference between when active people run and sedentary people run. The video footage looks like an active person running across the street. Gotcha. That is the piece of surveillance video evidence that I don't necessarily buy. It it just, it doesn't look like... I don't know. It doesn't look like the same person to me. Right. But also, this is my opinion.
1: So maybe they added that, but that maybe didn't even, that was just a coincidence. Right. It was someone totally different.
0: Right. Possibly. I don't know.
1: Yeah. If she, if she, if they have to back the car out of the garage in order for her to open the door wide enough to get in it, she's not running across four lanes of traffic.
0: No. And this was very much somebody who is a runner.
1: Yeah. There's running and then there's someone who's being chased by a bear running. (laughs) <laughs> yes. right. I mean, there's people that swim, and then there's people in the ocean, and there's a shark behind them. She's she would if she had to. But
0: oh my gosh, that is amazing! Thank you for that. It's just
1: how I picture it in my head.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So... I can't run.
1: Oh my god! Here comes
0: a bear! Move out of my way! Yeah, they're sprinting past you. Oh, totally. Yeah. Janae's first-degree murder trial began on December 9th, 2019. During the trial, it was brought to light that a sheriff's investigator on the case failed to enter some witness interviews into evidence, but it was not declared a mistrial. The trial continued and lasted four weeks, Janae even taking the stand in her own defense. She claimed that she had no idea about the X-rated photos and texts that Todd had received on his cell phone. The prescription eyeglasses evidence came back to bite her when up on the stand and in front of the jury, she told the prosecution that she never wore or purchased the contacts. And they showed Janae the receipt from her eye doctor and the order form and payment. But as Janae says, she told the truth, her truth. What? I hate when people say that. the
1: hell does that mean
0: i hate when people say you know what i told my truth okay just because it's your truth does not mean that it's the truth
1: what sounded good in her head
0: oh gosh will people please stop saying well it's my truth stop saying that
1: yeah that's bs that's my
0: psa for the day (laughs) all right sounds good (laughs) okay but where is the video evidence of her picking up the contacts there are security cameras recording people when they do everything. Sure. So where is that video of her picking up the contacts? Because then she can't deny it,
1: right? Yeah, maybe, it, maybe they erased it. I don't know. Because it was a while That's prior. True. That's true. Know.
0: That's true. I didn't think it about It
1: was available. I, I don't know how stores, who knows how long they keep actual footage.
0: Jurors found 53-year-old Janae Chance guilty of first-degree murder of the death of her husband, Todd Chance, with an enhancement for using a firearm.
1: Wow. So you get less time if you kill them without a firearm?
0: If you, yeah. Oh. What the investigators and prosecutors think happened. You ready?
1: Yes, this is what I want to hear.
0: Okay. Janae had found the X-rated photos and texts on Todd's phone. Instead of confronting Todd, she decided to murder him course janae spent weeks planning his murder even taking a family trip to las vegas to attend the csi exhibit and learning how to fire the gun she used for the murder making sure that everything was perfect change of clothing and shoes disinfecting wipes finding a payphone and even having numbers for a cab company written on a piece of paper they never found that piece of paper by the way
1: yeah she ditched all that stuff yeah yeah.
0: They believe that Janae confronted Todd on the morning of August 25th, 2013, and told him that she didn't want to argue with an earshot of the daughters. She talked Todd into taking a drive in his Mustang, lured him to the almond orchard, and then shot him in the Mustang. The first bullet went through his right hand that he held up as a defensive position and then entered his chest. The second bullet was shot in point blank range into his chest killing Todd immediately. Janae pulled Todd's lifeless body out of the car and onto the dirt road, throwing his cell phone and sunglasses. Janae then left the orchard and cleaned up the car with the disinfecting wipes. She then drove to Denon Street and walked away, taking the route to get home that she had planned so meticulously, not realizing that there are security cameras everywhere.
1: Wow. Yeah. All right. So why didn't she wear gloves? I don't She understand. had worn gloves. She so wouldn't have, the, none of her fingerprints or any of that would be. Of course, he would might get suspicious if she's like, honey, let's go for a ride. And he, she's wearing like a hazmat suit and rubber gloves.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this was before COVID. So, yeah, that would look really weird to wear a hazmat yeah, now, suit. Now, not so much. Car.
1: Like, oh, look at that. They're wearing a full body thing. Yeah. Right.
0: Oh, I wonder where they got that hazmat suit from. <laughs> yeah. Janae Chance was sentenced to 25 years to life for the murder of Todd. And 25 years to life for gun enhancement. That's 50 years to life. And mm-hmm. she's
1: how old now? 53? She's said?
0: 55 now. When she was she convicted. Was, she was, was 53 when she 53. was convi- convicted and sentenced. So she's right. about 55 so now.
1: She's, so she's going to be 100-ish.
0: Yeah.
1: Huh. Yeah. She stands a chance.
0: Right. Todd's parents believe that Janae killed their son. Even suing her for one of Todd's life insurance policies, which they won and gave the money to their granddaughters.
1: Nice. Yeah. I didn't know you could do that.
0: I did not know you could do that either. Isn't that rad? Oh, okay. Here are some of my questions. All right. There was grocery delivery in 2013. Why hadn't I been told about that?
1: (laughs) They've, They've been playing with grocery delivery for a long time.
0: I had no idea. There was
1: a company, I can't think of the name of it, that started out during the dot-com boom, and they were trying to do the grocery delivery, and it just didn't work.
0: Just didn't take off then? No,
1: it was... But, I I mean, they've tried.
0: I was trying to find out, like, where she had gotten her groceries delivered from. They must have been, like, a Safeway or something nice. An Albertsons. Maybe. It wasn't Walmart grocery delivery. Shooting someone in a car. Wouldn't there be crazy amounts of blood splatter?
1: Oh, yeah. That's what I was going to say. Or
0: does the chest contain all that? I don't know. Right.
1: Why didn't she try and get him out of the car and then shoot him out of the car?
0: Because he would have fought her and he probably would but have But she had a
1: gun. Point the gun at him. So get true. out.
0: That's true. But I feel like that car would have been splattered with oh blood. Oh, my gosh. Do you remember yeah. the scene in Pulp Fiction when he accidentally shoots the guy in the head? Yes. And then they that's the whole movie is they have to get cleaned up. It's like
1: putting a stick of dynamite inside a watermelon. Right.
0: But that's somebody's head. So I don't know about the chest. The chest may contain the blood and stuff. There's
1: still got to be just stuff.
0: Right. So what about
1: the back? It blows through, right? Right. And into the car and the seat and just. Yeah. No, but
0: the bullet stayed in his chest. There was no, um, what's that called?
1: No exit wound?
0: Yeah, there was no exit wound.
1: No exit strategy? Yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: The bullet did not have an exit strategy. All right, good. Okay. Todd loved his Mustang. I doubt anyone would drive a car like that down a dirt road in an almond orchard. You're picturing an almond orchard right yeah. now, right? Oh, yeah. And the divots and where the water comes down, all that kind of you stuff. You
1: wouldn't drive that car down there.
0: Nobody would drive- not on purpose. A nice Mustang down that road. Nobody would.
1: Not sober.
0: There's no way that she could have taught talked him into driving his car that he loved more than anything. Down a dirt road.
1: So I'm guessing you're thinking she killed him and then drove it out there and dumped him, or actually killed him out there.
0: I am so stumped on this one, you guys. I want to hear what other people think. I've right. I've read so much information and watched so many things on this case that I am more confused than when I started. To be honest, I have
1: heard a lot of over the years. Here, you'll hear in the, you know on the radio, and they'll say a body was found out in the orchard. Usually, East all Side. All the time. All the time.
0: All the time. It's actually really sad. And
1: then they say it's under investigation. Yeah. Foul play is suspected. It's blah, really, blah, blah. really sad. So it's unfortunately a lot of, I think it's cartel and drug killings. And then they just dump the bodies out there. Yeah. Because yeah. they take a while to be found. So Right.
0: Okay. So my next question is the timeline. This is what is bothering me is that I kind of want to drive it. You
1: hey, want to drive that route. Yes. I want to drive that route. Yeah.
0: How do you get from the north side of town all the way to Denon Street in 30 minutes while also cleaning up yourself and wiping down the entire car with disinfecting wipes. Not possible. Then walk to Panama and all the way down to the shopping center, go to all those places, change clothes and shoes, call a cab, wait over 20 minutes for that cab to arrive, and then have that cab drop you off a mile from your house on Harris and make it home by ten fifteen in august and not have to shower and do all that stuff when you get home in time for your grocery delivery and daughters to get up from bed
1: yeah that that would be almost impossible
0: that timeline is what is messing with me
1: so maybe the timeline is wrong you mean you're they're using the times off of the
0: they're using the time cameras. stamps off of the cameras yeah. but there is that timestamp stamp of the car Of the Mustang turning down the street that the Almond Orchard is in. So, I mean, they have timestamps for all of this. But I'm serious, you guys. If you live in Bakersfield, I want you to think about that and marinate on that. And tell me if you honestly think that that timeline would work for somebody murdering their husband. Especially cleaning up the car.
1: The whole thing is very complicated.
0: Yes. It's so complicated. And that there were no other fingerprints besides Janae's one fingerprint that she missed. While she was cleaning the outside of the car with disinfecting wipes.
1: Yeah, I'd, I don't see how that's possible.
0: Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I said crazy weird. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Okay. Where are the clothes? Where are the shoes? And where is that reddish backpack? Where is it? It's gone. Because the police were there right after she got home. They and all, were there all within- all the footage
1: like... kept showing the same stuff yeah. on the person.
0: If she had gotten home- say 10.20 is the latest that she got home. Right. But her daughters swear that they saw her at 10 o'clock. So the latest she could have gotten home, 10.15, 10, 10.20, 10, let's say that, right? And the police were there 30 minutes later, 40 minutes later to tell her that her husband was dead. Yeah. Yeah. That's quick. And then she got rid of all that stuff in that short amount of time. Okay, but the only way this would work out is if the daughters were covering for Janae, because that's well, the only thing I can that, think of. That's
1: what I was going to say is, or they're just time is off. But that means then still the, the officers arrived pretty quickly, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, right away.
1: So even if it did take her longer, she still would have been hustling yeah. right up in time, right up until the time the officers arrived.
0: Right. I mean, these poor girls lost their dad, and then they're having to defend their mother who is being prosecuted for murder. It's. Yeah. I just, I can't imagine. I would probably defend my mom too, even if, yeah. you know, 75% of me knew that she had done it. I would totally defend my mom because I would not want to lose another parent.
1: No. And the thought that it's possible, it's almost worse to think that it could be true. So you don't want it to be true. So Right. you want to change reality.
0: Exactly. I do not blame them at all, at all. The last video does not look like a middle-aged woman, an overweight woman. This person looks spry and runs gracefully. I would have fallen because (laughs) I run like a water buffalo. (laughs) I totally would. You would have been like, yeah, that's Melissa because she just fell on her face trying to run across the street. Yeah, if someone
1: looks spry and runs gracefully, no offense, but they're not a big person because you can't. (laughs) I, I mean, I jog, but I don't. I'm not that graceful.
0: And I encourage all of you to please go watch these videos. It is fascinating. Just fascinating. So last one, Janae did not need the money from the life insurance policies. She had a great job and was compensated very well, making Janae the main breadwinner. But after her first arrest, she was put on leave with no pay. So then she needed to start collecting on those policies because she had no income. Huh. Right. So people are saying, oh, she's spending all this money. She didn't have an income and they didn't have much of a savings. True. So she had to spend that money just to survive. That's that's
1: why people have life insurance policies, especially on the person who is bringing in the money.
0: Exactly. Because then
1: if something happened to me, God forbid, you'd have to replace that.
0: Yeah, I'd have to get a new husband who made more money.
1: Yeah, but in the meantime, (laughs) you know, you gotta, you gotta replace that. (laughs) Yep. And the pool boy might be cute, but he only cleans <laughs> pools. He doesn't have any money.
0: But you're the pool boy. <laughs> oh,
1: all right. Well, I was just speaking in generalities, you know, like yeah. someone
0: had a pool boy. Oh, Never my mind. goodness. Okay. But with all these questions and all these things that I have wrapped in my brain right now, she was found guilty and way smarter people than me worked on this case for seven years. If she is guilty, if Janae is guilty... She'll never admit to it. So, you know, just keep appealing, girl. Sure. Just keep appealing. So, so who
1: did do it is the question. Who if did she do didn't it? do it, who did do exactly. it?
0: Exactly. And who is that person walking in dark clothes at the end of August? Yeah. On the surface of the sun.
1: Right. With all those clothes on. With
0: all the clothes on and all the bags. And it's just, it's so suspicious to me. This is why this case is so fascinating.
1: If a bigger person puts on a lot of clothes, what does that typically make them look? Guilty? Bigger.
0: Oh. (laughs) No, dark clothes are supposed to make you look smaller. Not if
1: you got like four
0: layers on. Yeah, she was, somebody was wearing two pairs of pants at one
1: time. Yeah, she's going to look huge. That is like swamp butt for sure. Well, okay, not just that, but I mean, you're going to look puffy. You're going to look swollen.
0: I mean, and it does to me in most of those videos, it looks like Janae. But I am not positive. I was not there. All I can say is my personal opinion and just encourage you all to go on YouTube and watch the videos. And Dateline did a really good episode about it. So go watch Dateline. And then I read a ton of articles about it. And I just wanted to say thank you to Mr. R who recommended this case for us because I honestly, even though living in Bakersfield, I had heard little snippets about this case But once I took a deep dive into it, it is just fascinating. So thank you for that recommendation, Mr. R. And thank you for being so supportive of our podcast. It really means a lot. And actually, Mr. R knew Janae personally from work.
1: Oh, damn.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So and I've met a couple other people who have worked with her. And actually, she was she's a great teacher, a really great administrator. And parents loved her. Kids loved her. Her staff loved her. She was loved by everybody who knew her. So to me, it's...
1: So then this would have been surprising to them.
0: This was completely out of character. If she did this, this was 100% out of character for
1: wow. her.
0: That's why this is so fascinating. Huh. Yes.
1: So do you think someone set her up? Is that possible?
0: Who? They never talked about any enemies. That's what they were looking into. And her defense attorney, I mean, he seemed like he had it going and he was doing everything that he needed to do. I think he would have found out if there was anybody that had a grudge against them. The only other person that they kind of were looking into was the girl who was sending the dirty text, right. Carrie, his ex-girlfriend. That's the only other person that they had looked into as a person of interest.
1: Hmm. Huh. But she didn't come across the way you described her as obsessed.
0: No. Mm -mm. They had stopped communicating.
1: Yeah. Enough that she wanted Janae out of the picture.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm not out of the picture, but out of, you know.
0: Yeah. No, I don't think she wanted him back. I think they were just flirting.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because they never met in person. So, yeah. Or
1: she just, yeah, Janae just snapped. So, yeah, everyone says, oh, it surprised us, but...
0: Yeah, I mean, she'd gone through it before. She was pregnant when her first husband cheated on her and she left him.
1: So she's already kind of pissed off from that. A lot of things probably build up. And then she sees this and it's like, nope, and just kind of snapped. And she's like, I'm going to finish him off.
0: Yeah. And I don't think we will ever know what truly happened.
1: All I can think of, though, when you're telling me this is... Because it's the picture and the cameras of someone running across the four-lane road, right? Yeah, yeah. So all I'm picturing... Oh, God. ...is like Ralphie from Christmas Story, his younger... What's his younger brother's name?
0: Oh, what's his... Uh, Ralphie... Randy. Randy. Randy.
1: (laughs) And his mom wraps him up, remember? And he's he's just... He can hardly move, and he's all round, and he's trying to walk. That's what I picture... If it was her, it would have to look like with all the layers of clothes on, running across a four-lane road in August.
0: Hey, guys. Wait for me. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. (laughs) Sorry. All right, I'll stop. Okay. All right, Bako people. I really hope you enjoy this. I hope we did it justice. I hope you can picture in your head all the areas that the suspect was in and... Yep. Thanks for listening to us. Our number one listenership is from Bakersfield, and we really appreciate it and are humbled and just thank you.
1: Yep. Trying to do better and better. So just yep. bear with us.
0: Yeah, we are. Our sound is better this week.
1: We're trying to, yeah, we're messing with mics and such. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah.
0: Daniel built me a padded cell, basically. Yep. Of soundproofing.
1: <laughs> yeah. So we're still messing with We're that, still messing
0: with it. We're going to get better. I promise, guys. It's a work in Every progress. Week, Please go rate and review us. Five stars. It helps us out so much, you guys. You have no idea. Thank yep. you.
1: Till Death Do Us Part podcast on Instagram.
0: Our website, tilldeathdouspart.com.
1: And till death do us part, a true crime podcast on YouTube.
0: Our email, part at net.
1: And still want to get someone to respond to do a quickie with us
0: we have had a few responses that sounds bad what the quickie
1: yeah
0: people like it
1: oh okay we
0: just haven't done one yet okay we're working up to it right? right there you go be careful
1: for marriage is a life sentence